0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddab. So we don't have a massive amount of time, so I want to rip through just a couple things here. Number one, I want to talk about uh, the news that the guy that we talked about yesterday, Mr. Brandon Cooks, found a home. And we had a discussion about how his contract was already maybe a little much. In other words giving any amount of draft capital for Brandon Cooks would be a little surprising and and even a fourth round is a bit of a reach and of course the team that just cannot stop making foolish decisions is the team that picked him up and wildly overpaid and um <laughs> let's, just, let's just do it now I'm, I'm i'm halfway done already anyways so look the the on on one side you could say, if you wanted to play devil's advocate, and let's do that first. Because I know how these kind of things can snowball. And it becomes kind of the cool thing to call somebody stupid, and then the guy just gets wildly trashed entirely too much. Right? And people just like I I want to punch him too, kind of thing, you know. So let's let's at least try to look at it from the other perspective. This team is just for whatever reason doing a full blown rebuild. Which, it's it's so hard to try to defend any of this. I want desperately to point to the Oakland, now Las Vegas Raiders, and what Gruden did when he got there. Because that's an example, and I don't think it's a terrible example, not that they're a good team, but you know, it's still one of those let's wait and see things, because when you rip this thing down to the bare bones, I'm talking about targeting the top players and saying you guys are gone for the express purpose of getting as much draft capital as possible so i can build the team that i want you got to give the guys some time and say all right let's see if you can actually build a team because let's face it the raiders weren't good so just riding it out and paying these guys so that you don't have any real draft capital and you don't have any real money to actually build a team you got to ride out the other t- the other organization's bad decisions no I'm going to give away everybody, I'm going to get, you know, so, okay, I'm willing to give Gruden some time to see if he can build a team, and so I kind of laid off the making fun of him thing, even though it goes against everything in my, the fiber of my being to get rid of a guy like Khalil Mack, because that's the exact kind of guy you build a team around, whatever, I was willing to give him some, the hard thing about this (laughs) is that it's his team, I mean, he's been, how long has he been there, and I know he just took over as GM this year, but I'm, I mean, they didn't have a GM last year. I believe he was interim GM. Could be wrong about that. But let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt, and let's just say the old GM, he couldn't stand any of the moves he made, and now he's going to rip this thing down. He's doing the same thing that uh, Gruden is doing. All right, well, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Here is just a list of everything that is, has that is gone on. Here is everything the uh, Texans have lost, and this is since August 31st. DeAndre Hopkins, Jadavian Clowney, A 2020 first-round pick, a 2021 first-round pick, a 2022nd-round pick, a 2021 second-round pick, a 2023rd-round pick, a 2024th-round pick. Cornerback Johnson Bandamosi, offensive tackle Julian Davenport, offensive tackle Martinez Rankin, and a 2026th-round pick. Here is what they have acquired. Offensive tackle Laramie Tunsil, wide receiver Brandon Cooks, running back David Johnson, wide receiver Kenny Stills. Uh, linebacker Barcavius Mingo, linebacker Jacob Martin, cornerback Garyan Conley, running back Carlos Hyde, a 2020 second-round pick, 2023rd, 2024th, cornerback Keon Crossan, 2021 fourth, uh, 2022 fourth, and a 2021 sixth. Now, I know all that was kind of confusing as far as the draft picks. What they currently have this year are two second-round picks, a third, fourth, fifth, and then three sevenths. So they do not have a first round pick. they do not have a sixth round pick, but they have two seconds and three sevenths. So and actually, I'm not positive actually, I don't believe they do have two I don't think this is updated. One of those seconds is gone. So they have a second, third, fourth, fifth, uh, and then three sevenths. because, <laughs> let me just confirm that really quickly. Mm, not exactly. They're trading their other second-round picks. So they're not trading the pick they got from Arizona, but they are giving a second-round pick. But it's it's the difference between pick 40 and pick 57. So we're kind of splitting hairs on which pick it is, but the bottom line is here's the thing that's really driving everybody crazy, and it's not necessarily a one-to-one comparison, because remember, there was also a player exchange and some other stuff going on. But at the end of the day, They only received a second-round pick for arguably the best wide receiver in football. They traded away a second-round pick to get Brandon Cooks, who, as I talked about yesterday, he's had some great production. From a statistics standpoint, he's had some fantastic production. And he's going to a team that has a great quarterback. So that's not an issue. But he is not in any capacity anywhere near DeAndre Hopkins. He is not in that same conversation. If you want to argue that he's a number one wide receiver, I, despite the fact that he's not and I don't think has ever been in the top 32 via PFF, I don't think it's that hard of an argument to make that he could be a number one wide receiver. But I would say he's a low-end number one wide receiver, if you even put him in that category. Also, just the fact that if we just go back and look at this, first of all, um, I think I got rid of my list now. The, the really troubling thing, if you look at what the, the Raiders got just for giving away, and they gave away, listen, they gave away Amari, and they got a first-round pick. They gave away um, their number one, so they gave away their number one wide receiver, they gave away their number one pass rusher. Now, their pass rusher is better than Jadavian Clowney, but their wide receiver is nowhere as good as DeAndre Hopkins. So both teams are tearing down their team and rebuilding. John Gruden, to his credit, stacked up first-round picks for years between Amari and they gave away a bunch, of, including Jadavian, or uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Gary and Conley. Gary and Conley was a Raider. That's one of the guys, and they got picks for Gary and Conley. He, he's he been stacking picks since forever, and he did a pretty good job. I mean, his first pick was garbage, but he, he now has arguably the best running back in football, and they got a really good safety, even though he got put on. It looks like he's going to be a pretty solid safety. So last year, they had a, just a pile of first-round picks. And then this year, they got another two first-round picks. They don't have a second because they traded that back to the Bears, even though they have the Bears' first-round pick, but they have three third-round picks and then a fourth and a fifth. So they're they're doing fine. They don't have a sixth or a seventh, but you know how I feel about those. I couldn't care any less. I would much rather have two firsts, three-thirds, and a fourth and a fifth than just, you know, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. So, again, he's flush with picks. Bill O'Brien traded away his his... And, and again, Jadavian's not as good, but he gave away his number one pass rusher, who's a very good pass rusher, and his number one wide receiver, who's probably the best in all of football, and he doesn't have a first-round pick to speak of. I mean, if you just look at pl- player swap, even though we're talking about different teams, DeAndre Hopkins and Jadavian Clowney versus Laramie Tunsil, Brandon Cooks, and David Johnson, and, and throw in Kenny Stills and Barkavia, and I mean, once you get down to Barcavius, it doesn't matter anyways. Barcavius is not even a good player. But let's talk about the, the players that can produce and be decent players. Kenny Stills, David Johnson, Brandon Cooks, Laramie Tunsil, or Jadavian Cloudy and DeAndre Hopkins, which one do you want? Well, Kenny Stills and David Johnson are kind of meh. I mean, unless you think David Johnson's got magic somewhere in him, but he had one good year. He has not done anything since. And if you want to talk about offensive line, fine. The, the Texans have probably a worse offensive line, so that's not getting fixed. Laramie Tunsil is the one kind of home run hit here, but he gave away the farm for him. And, and, and I understand, like, why, why are you talking about the Texans? This is a Packers podcast. Because what we're talking about on a Packers podcast is being prudent, is about how you run an organization. And at the end of the day, we should be looking at this and saying how grateful we are to be run by people that are very, very competent. And also, this is also kind of peeking into this is the kind of stuff, and I'm not talking about the exact moves, but this is the kind of stuff fans – Ask for, right? How many times have you heard, why don't we trade this player for this player, or that player for this player, or this for that, or this for that, and it just gets kind of silly. I don't know that we necessarily want somebody that does that. It also goes to our competition, because there's, first of all, this isn't the only team. The other team that is an absolute nightmare that is being run by, by fools, as I mentioned yesterday, is the Rams. They are in cap contract hell right now, because of the terrible contracts that they wrote up. They, they gave away, I mean, they got a second-round pick, which is fantastic, and I'm shocked that they got that much, and they, they dealt with the one guy who would actually do that. I promise you, everybody's laughing at him again, because I, I, I would be stunned if anybody even came close to offering that, and I just think Bill O'Brien was in the dark. I don't think he realized that nobody was willing to even offer probably a third for him, and he probably got lied to. They probably called him up, and they're like, look, I got an offer for a second-round pick, um... But if you'll give me your, your your later second, look, you got two of them. You give me your later one, you can have them. And he just pulled the trigger because he just got played. But also, let's not forget, both of those teams are playoff-caliber teams. And we're watching them get ruined from the inside out. These are teams that should be on the top, you know, standing in the way of the Green Bay Packers and they're self-destructing. The Texans, if, if they had even a, a halfway-competent uh, organiza- you know, top-down organization. This is a team that has not had talent for a long time. That continually gets dragged into the playoffs. I mean, you got a quarterback, you got a wide receiver, you got a terrible offensive line. You got no run game. They've they've never had an offensive line or a run game. They've had a quarterback and a wide receiver. Defensively, they got J.J. Watt, who's incredible, but he plays half a season. And then you got Jadavian Clowney and a couple other guys that are fairly good. But this is not, you know, it's whatever, you know. But they, they've always just been on the cusp, and it's just they're just self-destructing. And it's a beautiful thing to watch, and it's it's and it's part of the reason why just hanging on sometimes is good enough, because a lot of teams just can't help themselves. You know, when you look at teams like the Patriots and the Packers that are able to stay on top, I mean, sometimes it's just the one that can last the longest. Now you can't now you can't do that forever because that was Ted Thompson's mistake. Not that that was his goal, but the guy just he had longevity for days. He he can make sure that this team stays a playoff contender. But the problem is. You get waves. You outlast this team that's, that's just killing it, right? The 49ers are real good. Well, the 49ers just took a nosedive because they don't know how to maintain it. And so now the Packers are above the 49ers. That's great. But guess what? Now there's a new team. Now it's the Seahawks that are above you. It's like, all right, well, let's outlast the sea. At some point, you got to put your chips in and say, no, we're going to be the best team. We're going to put the And that's, that's where that comes into play. And that's where I really like Brian Gutekunst because there is that question of waiting for your time. And when you think you got everything kind of where it is, that's when you take this pile of money, you push your chips in and say, we're going for it right now. Now, depending on how you do that, it's kind of a high-risk proposition because if, if you mess that up, it's possible that you've ruined yourself for quite some time. We saw the Jaguars do that and some other teams do that. You know, the Bears, I mean, they took a big swing at a random time and now they're just coming, they're coming down hard. And they're still they're swinging on the way down. They, they don't know what they're doing. But anyways, as as nonsensical as it all is, it's a great thing for the Green Bay Packers. We didn't necessarily directly take advantage of them by getting underpriced players or giving away guys that uh, we could have gotten much more value for. I've, I've gotten, I can't tell you the number of times I've had people reach out and say, why don't we trade this in it? You know, I'm talking some of the best players on our team, trade them away and get draft capital or whatever. And stuff like that is never going to happen. But I'll tell you what, if, if the Packers ever wanted to, they probably could have called up Bill O'Brien and got the job done because he's, he's just... He's doing every wrong thing that you can imagine. So anyways, Brandon Cooks got traded for a second. Absolutely stunning. And it's, and it's all good because it's, it's all just about cap inefficiency or, or, you know, value inefficiency when you talk about draft picks or whatever, I guess. But when, when people are inefficient with their money, it essentially means they have less money. And being efficient with your money means you have more money. And it, it's just kind of a way of everybody kind of has the same amount of money, but not really the way in which you can manage your money and the, the people that are better managers of their money essentially have more money to play with, which means they can build a better football team than other, everybody else. It's why you have teams like the Bears who have a bad roster and no money. That doesn't make any sense. How is that possible? Where is all your money? It, it's spent inefficiently. You're overpaying. So anyways, again, be happy that we've got, you know, Brian Gutekunst isn't perfect. None of these guys are. I'm sure he's, he's made bad decisions and he's going to make a bunch more. Just like you or I would, or anybody else would, and Bill Belichick has, and everybody has. But um, there are some real know-nothings running football teams in the NFL, and it's it's kind of shocking, man. I mean, j- I mean, just from the perspective of it doesn't make sense when you look at NFL football players. You don't have that because if you can't hack it, you don't play. If you aren't the best in the world, you're not going to make it. There, there is a a, a vetting system. <laughs> And the league makes sure of that. I mean, if if you're not good, you don't play. And and by good, I mean I mean even even the players that aren't you know you look at a guy with a you know PFF grade near the bottom. He's still literally one of the best in the world at doing what he does. But we've got people running teams. I'm I'm legitimately con- convinced, and it's not because I think I'm a genius. It's the exact opposite. It's because I know I'm not a genius that I can make the statement that I believe there are certain organizations that if I went in and just did my best to try to emulate what guys like Ted Thompson have done over the years or Brian Gutekunst have done over the years and do my best, especially with my staff, to take in information and and try to assess things and make decisions. I believe me and and 98% of the people listening to me would accidentally make better decisions than guys like Bill O'Brien and the guys that are running the Lions and the Bengals and some of these organizations that just genuinely don't, don't understand what they're doing. And, it, it, you know... It's unfortunate for the fans, and it might be unfortunate for the league, to be honest, to, to have that. I mean, it's just, I don't know, I don't, I don't really want to go down the road, but it, it's, the NFL is built so that you don't have teams that stay at the top and you don't have teams that stay at the bottom. And we have had teams that literally have never left the bottom. I mean, I suppose, I shouldn't say that. They, they've, I don't think we have any teams that have never been even good, but for the most part, that sums up their entire franchise. I mean, the, the Bengals are pretty close, man but I know they've been to the playoffs and the Lions too. But I mean, the, the, the league is, is, you could almost call it rigged. I mean, it's just, you've got all the money, you've got all the draft picks, you've got everything when you're a bad team. There's no excuse for you to stay at the bottom. And so, you, you know, the, the, the problem is you've got people with a lot of money that have built or bought teams that don't know how to run teams and don't know how to hire, and that's the other thing. All you got to do is hire people that know what they're doing, and they can't even do that. How in the world did they... Well, it's because it's the kids of people that know how to run things. I was going to say, how does... I mean, no disrespect to Miss Martha Firestone Ford, but you've got the wife of a grandchild of a person who built a great business, and that doesn't necessarily make you qualified to run a team. Just saying. Same goes for Miss Virginia McCaskey. I mean, she is, by all accounts, a very tough, very hardworking, very dedicated woman, but being the oldest daughter of George Hallis doesn't mean you know the first thing about how to run a football team. And that again, that's all to our benefit. And in, in, in the case of even Miss um, Firestorm Ford, she's not doing anything. She hires people, but she hires people out of her business, which is a, a car company, to come in and say, okay, use your car principles here and business principles to hire people that know how to run football teams. And he's out there trying to hire f- football people. And it's just, they, they don't know what they're doing, man. And you got actual, real football people, like Mark Murphy, who are watching all this and just going, this is a joke. Like, this league is kind of just a joke. I mean, half of this league is just people that don't know what they're doing. You got billionaires playing Madden. thats I mean, that's literally all it is. It's like, it's a fun hobby. I mean, you, the the Buffalo Bills guy. I mean, they, they bought a hockey franchise because why not? And then they bought the Bills because, you know, why not, dude? It's fun. It's awesome, dude. We own own two teams. And then they hire their daughter to run both simultaneously at the same time. Hey, run our hockey league and our football league. That's your job. Even though you don't know anything about either of these two things, you're going to run both. What? The Bills are never going to do anything unless they accidentally stumble on somebody that knows how to run a football team. Baffling to me. And I, listen, I'm being, I'm being positive. I'm not being negative. It's okay. I'm, I'm being positive that these teams are garbage. I'm, I'm 100% positive. And again, the positive act, uh, the thing, positive word, the words that I'm saying, the word things that I speak out of my mouth, are that the Packers are in a good position because they're run by football people, and so this is a good football team that is run well. And 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 the the other issue is you look back at 2019 as we all do, and you say, okay, where do the Packers rank against such and such and so and so? All right? I was I was doing a interview a couple days ago with uh, my old boss. Just started a uh, podcast or whatever. But I was, you know, you just asked me, okay, who who are the top teams? And I just listed the the top four, right? That if you ask anybody, who are the four probably in big? In my opinion, it's going to be the uh, the the Saints, the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the 49ers, right? Those are kind of the the scariest, maybe. But the other question is, what is what is any team's ability to stay at the top? And that honestly, that's one of the things that scares me about the Chiefs. I, and I know I've been I've been down on the Chiefs, and it's hard to count out, you know, it's. With Mahomes, it's the same thing with Rogers. When you got a guy like that, you can never count him out and that's true. I'm, I, I, if they go back to back, I mean, it just it wouldn't necessarily blow my mind because they're easily one of the best teams in football. But again, I, I, it is my contention that once they got rid of John Dorsey, that team has started a, a path going in the wrong direction. And I do think that their roster has gotten worse. I don't know that that's even necessarily debatable. Which again, massive props, especially to their defensive coordinator, for making that defensive unit really competent, because this is not a good pile of players at all. And so I don't, I don't trust their ability to continue adding talent. And there's only so much you can drag a team. It, the Packers are a perfect example. Aaron Rodgers was dragging this team and dragging this team and dragging this team, and as soon as we started drafting poorly, there's only so long you can drag this team until you come to the conclusion that, you know what? There's, there's there's nowhere else, we can't, he can't pull anymore. It's it's officially stuck and there's no more dragging and you start sliding back down this hill. I mean, if you just look at what Dorsey did, I mean, Dorsey's the one that traded up to get Pat Mahomes. Dorsey's the one that got, you know, Kareem Hunt, he got Chris Jones, he got Tyreek Hill. Maybe he didn't get Chris Jones, I don't know, but he did a fantastic job and, and he capped it off with Pat Mahomes. Oh yes he did, I'm sorry, I'm reading this entirely wrong. 2013 he started, so he did get Chris Jones. He also got Marcus Peters, he got D. Ford, who you know took him a while to turn in the corner, but he turned the corner. He got his first round picks are ridiculous: Eric Fisher, D. Ford, Marcus Peters, Chris Jones, Pat Mahomes. That's that's what those are literally his first round picks. Eric Fisher's a freak. D. Ford became a freak. Marcus Peters is a freak. Chris Jones is a freak. Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback in football. And they fired the guy. And guess what they've done since then? Breland Speaks and Nicole Hardman. Those aren't first round picks because they haven't had a first round pick since. But oh my goodness, by the way, he also drafted Travis Kelsey was his second pick in 2013 and it was a third round pick. I'm telling you, man, as far as drafting, I don't know that there's a better GM in football than uh, John Dorsey and the guy can't find a job. He must just be the most toxic person in history. But since he left, we got Breland Speaks, Derek Nadi, Dorian O'Daniel, Armani Watts, Traymond Smith, Khalil McKenzie, Mecole Hardman, Juan Thornhill, Kalen Saunders, Rashad Fenton, Darwin Thompson, Nick Allegretti. This team is going to slide. They don't have... A, I mean, again, this was built on the back of a guy that was one of the best drafters in all of football. They're not going to keep going forward. And they, they already don't have a good uh, defense. And I'm going to keep saying that. And you know how... We've seen how quickly teams fall apart. It happens rapidly. You have to have a steady flow of, of guys coming in. And I just... I tell you what, the fact that Pat Mahomes was his last pick to cap it off was also brilliant. Not that it's necessarily intentional, but I've always said it, there's no, it doesn't make any sense, and the Bengals are included in this, to have a garbage team and just stick a quarterback in there. Because you don't have an offensive line, you don't have wide receiver weapons, which they do have some of these, these things. Especially, they got A.J. Green, right? Oh, and they actually have two really good wide receivers. But in general, to have a garbage team and stick a quarterback in there, it just it doesn't usually work out very well. To build up a team... And then put a quarterback in is just it's just beautiful. Also, one more comment on this, and I know I'm going down weird rabbit hole. The other thing that I really like about this is that when you look at teams who are winning, and this goes to what I was talking about about kind of just going all in on offense and saying you know what, let's just push into our strengths here. The the patri- the uh, the Chiefs really became a thing when John Dorsey said, you know what, I'm pushing in all my chips. We're gonna trade up for a quarterback, right? We're just gonna go for it. And granted, pretty much every first round quarterback you trade up for—that's been the history of first round quarterbacks—with very few exceptions, you trade up for them. But still, it's it's an all in move to ignite an offense. The Baltimore Ravens—what did they they traded up to get their quarterback? Now I don't think they necessarily intended or expected him to be as good as he is. Case in point, it was their second first round pick. They drafted a tight end in front of them. So anytime the Baltimore Ravens, you know, head honchos want to talk about how brilliant they are, please. There's, I mean, he, he doesn't, I mean, This, if anybody expected him to be this good, he wouldn't have made it out of the first pick. I was going to say top five, but that's silly. He's going number one overall. And then you look at the Saints, it's not that much different. They've spent a lot more in free agency, but they're pushing, man. And they're pushing to get wide receiver weapons. The Saints needed a wide receiver. They have a really, really good, another guy that you could argue is a top wide receiver in football. And you know what they did? They went out and got Emmanuel Sanders. And I'm just saying I think the Packers need to have that same kind of energy. And I'm not saying they needed to do more in free agency. I think that they're doing what they can with what they have. And I think if we had a big pile of money, they maybe would have been a little bit more aggressive. And they're never going to overextend or overpay. And by the way, they, again, they were in on Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders chose to go elsewhere. And again, I talked about it largely because his grandma wanted him to go play for the Saints. And, I'm, you know, I respect that. You can't go against what grandma wants. Grandma apparently lives down the street or whatever, or relatively close, and can go see him and wants him to play there, and it's a great football team. I mean, you know, yeah, I would I would do that too. I mean, I probably wouldn't, but I wouldn't have to worry about going against Grandma because Grandma's a huge Packer fan. But again, I'm, I'm chasing every kind of rabbit you can find here, but it all just comes full circle. The lessons learned here. Don't let people that don't understand football run your team, and at some point you got to push into your strengths, especially offensively. Go all in for a quarterback, and if you have a quarterback, go all in on weapons. Stack this thing up and go get you a Super Bowl. Let's go get it, man. I don't know how we got here. I'm not going to double back. I'm sure I skipped over some things I said I was going to say. I don't care. Let's move on. Um, two things I wanted to talk about. Um, again, I don't... You know what? Let's take a break because I forgot to take a break. We'll take a break here. we got two more things to talk about, including the game of the day. Oh, one other thing. I keep forgetting. This is a... Am- I shouldn't do single messages to one person, but you know what? We'll, we'll call it a shout-out as an apology for being so dumb. Um, any any of you that have worked with me in any capacity or asked me for things know that I, I just I take a long time to, to get what you need. But uh, my man Taj won a, uh, a draft guide, and I still have not got that to him. There are reasons, but not enough good reasons, so I'm not going to give excuses. But I promise you, I will get that to you as soon as possible. My bad. I'm the worst. Sincerest apologies. Let's take a break. So the first thing, and I I don't want to step into a massive landmine, and I might be, but I just this morning was perusing around on Twitter, and I saw a guy just getting, he was in the kick circle, which is, you know, when you say something against the group and they put you in the middle of a circle and everybody takes turns kicking you. And uh, in general, I don't like kick circles. I think they're just sad people who want to score uh, some quick clout points. Like, oh, look, I kicked him too. I'm cool, right, guys? High-five me. At the expense of, you know, kicking somebody. But I usually just walk past it and shake my head. But, you know, one of these, some of the times it's like, he I don't think he should be in the kick circle. I don't think he deserves to be in the kick circle. So the, the guy that was um, pushed into the circle was Mr. Badger Noonan. He asked a question, would you trade Aaron Rodgers for Deshaun Watson? Because you probably can. He's obviously commenting on the fact that the Texans are just doing crazy stuff. And it's just a question, right? Well, that was... A, a bridge too far for Aaron Nagler who saw this and also saw that most people said yes and he just kind of got upset and uh, I don't know either of these guys very well Badger or Nagler 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 whatever but one thing I know about Aaron is that when you catch him late at night he gets a little intoxicated and he gets a little punchy or in this case kicky right he's he's the one that initiated the kick circle now I I, I just think In my opinion, this is a good discussion to have. And I like having discussions and talking about things rationally. Does it make sense to trade, and I'm not saying we should or we will or any of this, just theory, just putting out theory, Aaron Rodgers for Deshaun Watson, I don't think that is a terrible discussion to have for the sake of discussion. And I'll be completely honest. Let's put it this way. Let's start from the beginning. Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson are are free agents right now. Who do the Packers take? Now, the the most anti Badger Noonan, and I'm calling him that because I don't I don't I don't know his other his real name. I don't know who he is. Let me click on his thing. Maybe it says. It does not. So Mr. Badger. But the people that are that are most anti this are very very, you know, the always defend the Packers always defend Aaron Rodgers always defend whatever they're never going to come into these kinds of discussions because they're incapable. They're, entire, and no offense if you're that person, but just own up to who you are. You're entirely irrational. It's not about what's the best thing. It's just about how dare you ever say anything but wonderful things about the Packers at all time, including bad players. And I don't mean Aaron Rodgers, but that's just the rule. And we, you know, bump into these people on social media all the time. I think especially on, you know, fa- Twitter is, is just angry all the time, but it also can be more critical. Facebook, for some reason, is all... Man, Packers' Facebook groups are just, how dare you ever say anything about the Packers? Just obnoxious. It's very uh, rah-rah. But I, I i really believe that the honest answer is that Deshaun Watson goes first. Deshaun Watson is a very, very good quarterback, and even if you say, even at this stage of his career, he's not quite as good as Aaron Rodgers, right? Aaron Rodgers, even at nearly 40 years old, is still a better quarterback. The fact is, he's nearly 40 years old. Deshaun Watson is is a guy that is incredibly talented despite having no run game, no offensive line. And I, I, I just think, I think it would be Deshaun Watson. If you think it's Aaron Rodgers, that's fine. But again, it's just a discussion. And it's a fine discussion to have. My, my whole point on this, though, and he, you know, he kind of follows it up by saying Deshaun Watson is 24 years old, which is crazy. He's, he's nearly 15 years younger than Aaron Rodgers. Imagine you could have a guy as talented. And, and here's the other thing. Let me just say, well, okay, let me read his first. Deshaun Watson's 24 years old, never finished below Aaron Rodgers in DVOA. The only reason Packers wouldn't do this deal is if Rodgers' salary cap hit would make him untradeable. Yeah, got it. The other thing is, we're fine having an open discussion about possibly drafting a future quarterback. And we're talking about one of the best young quarterbacks in football being available. Would you not take him? And you're saying, absolutely not, because we want Aaron Rodgers for another three years. Okay, but you could have Deshaun Watson for like 20, <laughs> 15 at least. Maybe. I mean, you know, and there's injury concerns and everything else. Point is, I, and this isn't going to happen, and I uh, do not want to trade Deshaun Watson for Aaron Rodgers, and I'm not making that case. I'm just saying, why can't we just have discussions about stuff? Why do we just have to be so vile? The other thing, if I could just ask a question, I would like it if, if Aaron Nagler could pick a lane. And I know I don't usually say people by name, but I'm I'm just confused cuz I, I again, I don't I'm late to the party. I was late to Twitter, I'm late to all. The, I don't know the backstories and I haven't been following a lot of people, but I don't even think I follow him. I'm not sure. He just pops up constantly because everybody retweets and likes all his stuff. But I mean, he he is at the exact same time the most controversial Packers guy right he's he's very critical he's very honest about his takes he'll, he'll call players bad that are bad he was the one last year talking about book it the Packers are going to get a new quarterback because Aaron Rodgers wasn't playing well he was very anti-Rodgers down the stretch which was shocking to me but then at the exact same time he is the biggest pearl clutcher on Twitter how dare you say bad things, right he was he did that about Kevin King how dare you say bad things about Kevin King now suddenly how dare you say bad things about Aaron Rodgers It's just I don't get it I don't care which team you're on, the, the don't ever say anything bad about any Packer ever because we're Packer fans and this is a family and you don't ever do that, or we have actual honest adult conversation. But you got to pick a lane, man. He plays both sides of the fence pretty well, but it's just it just annoys me. To trash football players and then turn around and just unleash a mob on a guy for having a take about would you possibly trade for this player because how dare you. Just, dude. I don't know. I just, I just don't like that stuff. I don't like the Twitter mobs. I don't like ganging up on people just for having an honest honest conversation about a game. Relax. Anyways, um, relatively short on time, so let's talk about the game of the day. I, I unleashed a little bit of a hint yesterday on social media about what this game would be. And, you know, I if I was smart, I would kind of build up to stuff. You know, like, here's a good game, here's a good game, and here's... You know, whatever. But I started off with Rogers' best game, Devontae's best game, and now I'm just I'm just going for gold, man. <laughs> Via PFF, this is the Green Bay Packers' best game ever, at least in the PFF era. Best game ever. It was a uh, I don't know. May- maybe some of you will remember this game. I did all the other games. People were all over it, like, oh yeah, I remember that game, it was awesome. This one is, uh, it's not not really clicking which one this is. However, the hint that I unleashed yesterday was that there were three different players that had receiving touchdowns. One of those players had three touchdowns. So if you can do basic math, that means there were at least five touchdowns in this game, and in fact there were six, because one of them had two touchdowns. So there were six passing touchdowns in this game. No field goals. 14 points, seven points, seven points, and 14 points was the final 42 to 24. Beyond that, this was the a three and three Packers team going up against drum roll, drum roll, please, a five and one Houston Texans team, also appropriate, considering we've been talking about the Texans today. It all just comes full circle, man it's the universe. The energy and the vibrations all convalesces into oneness. Or all roads lead to Houston, either. However, your universe works. That's how mine works. I, I. I anyways, <laughs> um, I I don't know how to let these things build up, man. I just I just go for the throat every time. I don't I don't know. So let's just let's just do this. Um, this game was in 2012. So if we back out a little bit, 2012. Um, what was going on in 2012? So we're coming off the to- 2011 season, which was obviously just this unbelievable, Packers are just unstoppable kind of team. However, not a very good defense, and just kind of a couple flukish losses in there, including the very first playoff game, which is unfortunate. The Giants just stomped all over our necks. And so the next year, there's a lot of high hopes, and they come out and play the 49ers and lose. And then they beat the Bears, and then they play the Seahawks and lose because the NFC West is just the worst division in football, and I hate everything that happens over there. And so... uh... Then we play the New Orleans Saints and win by one point, very close game. Then we play the Indianapolis Colts and lose to them. So th- this team that is just, I mean, everybody in 2012, I mean, I don't know if you remember, but there was a stretch of time where everybody said the Packers are the favorites, right? It was just every year, at least somebody's favorite. When you pick the Super Bowl teams, it was the Packers and somebody. And that was at least a five-year stretch where that was just a safe pick. And to come out in 2012 and to start off the season at two and three, with one of those uh, wins coming by one point, and the only other win coming against the Bears, who you can only assume were just a bad team, that's pretty rough. And so to to have that as your context, going into what was the greatest Green Bay Packers game, you know, we'll say arguably, because we know PFF is not perfect, but to have arguably the best team effort, because that's the other thing. This is in order to have the best overall team grade, you got to have a little bit of of everything. I mean, you can have the passing slash the quarterback and all that be the, the focal point. But if your defense was terrible, you're not going to have a great team effort. So this was, it, I mean, again, it just really goes to speak for something because after this, you had a win against the, the Texans, a win against the Rams, a win against the Jaguars, a win against the Cardinals, a win against Detroit. They didn't lose again until the Giants, and then after that they had another four wins in a row. They ended the season 11-5. and five. They went on to beat the Vikings in the playoffs and then again lost to the 49ers because we hate the 49ers. That sentence doesn't make sense, but it feels good to say it. We lost because I hate you. That's, that's why. And no, I don't need to give any other reasons because that sums up everything. I hate the 49ers. Hate. Hate. And I am being positive. Again, I'm positive that I hate them. It lasted two days, folks. Me being positive lasted two days. Jim... I'm sorry. I failed you. I'm very, very sorry. I also you got to understand by the end of the week I am beyond sleep deprived. We're talking 4 hours of sleep, maybe 5 hours of sleep, and you you do that for 5 days straight. That's this is why I take days off on the weekends so I get that get to sleep in a little bit. I get a little cranky. And remember, I'm drinking cold instant coffee to wake up in the morning. Everything about my week just breeds anger. So, um, you know, then you talk about losing to the 49ers in the playoffs. What do you expect, man? Get a little heated. But let's talk about this game because we got to get it rocking here. Also, uh, le- let me just say this because there's been some confusion. I have Game Pass, so I-, I didn't have the ability to say, how do you get free Game Pass? And I've had people reach out and they're like, I go to Game Pass and it says I have to pay. I had somebody reach out yesterday and explain the process. Don't go to Game Pass. Just download the NFL app. Let me actually just do it right now and see if, what happens. Again, I have Game Pass, so it might be different. I don't know. Let me just look really quickly here. So if you click on... if So download the NFL app, click on More, and Game Pass is an option. Click on Game Pass. And I'm assuming it's just there. In other words, it's just open for everyone. So if you, if you have not been able to take advantage of this or you think I'm a liar, try that and see if it works. Download the NFL um, mobile app. Click on More. Game Pass is an option. Go to Game Pass and see if you can find these games. By the way, I haven't watched these yet. This weekend, I'm going to be watching these games because I'm very excited, especially this one. I'm probably going to start with this one because I don't, I don't remember it. Seems like it. And, and by the way, the final score was 42 to 24, which you might look at that and say, well, it doesn't sound like the greatest game ever, despite the six, you know, er, er, heroic Aaron Rodgers game. 24 points isn't that. Remember, five and one Houston Texans team. This is a good team, and and they became five and they were five and zero oh going into the game. They're five and one only after the Packers played them. They ended the season 12 and 4. As a matter of fact, the only game they lost in the first 13 weeks was to the Green Bay Packers. They lost 3 of 4 down the stretch just, you know, things just quickly fell apart. In fact, they got trounced, man. 42 to 14 by the Patriots, 23 to 6 by the Vikings, 28 16 by the Colts. And then the second game after beating the Bengals because it's the Bengals barely in the playoffs. They must somebody must have got hurt or something, probably JJ, because they just something happened around week 14. They were just not a good team anymore. Anyways, I'm just, I'm just going to end up calling in sick to work today if I don't stop flapping my face. I, I'm, I'm just torn. Do I want to do the the drive-by drive? The you know, yeah, let's do that, and then we'll do the uh, the the summaries because I want to do the summaries. All right, I like doing the, the the play-by-plays. If you don't, then I'll I'll catch you uh, catch you on probably Sunday. Good talking to you. So, very first part of the game, the uh, the Texans get the ball first. Basically, go three and out right away. Remember, the, this isn't about a highlighting a particular player, this is a team effort. And so right out of the gate, the very first play, first play of the game, C.J. Wilson gets a two-yard two sack on Max, Matt Schaub. Yes, a Matt Schaub-led team was a very good team. Just deal with it. That actually ended up being pretty consequential because on 3rd and 12, they ran the ball for 10 yards. It would have been a first down if not for a two-yard sack by C.J. Wilson, who had a very good game this week. Very first drive for the Green Bay Packers. They start at the Packers' 33-yard line. Alex Green is the running back. He ends up doing what Alex Green does, which is, you know, Packers have not had a very good run game pretty much our entire lifetime, with very few exceptions. End up getting a 3rd-and-5 situation, 9-yard pass to Jordy, Alex Green gets 7. Rodgers throws a couple incomplete passes, now we're sitting here at 3rd-and-3, another incomplete pass, and they're about to punt the ball. 4th-and-3, they're about to punt the ball, defensive offsides, We 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 get some new light. And what happens? Death happens. Very first play after that, the Houston Texans 41-yard line. Aaron Rodgers throws a 40-yard, 41-yard pass to Jordy Nelson for a touchdown. Packers kick off the ball. Texans kind of get rolling a little bit. Very first play is a 15-yard pass to James Casey. Incomplete, four-yard run. Third and six, Matt Schaub gets sacked by Jarrell Worthy for 10 yards. They end up having to punt. Again, team effort, man. Defense was on point in this game. Next drive, I'm not going to highlight the whole thing. It's a decent enough drive. They go from the 27-yard line to the 42, but ultimately Tim Mastey, greatest punter in history until now with Mr. J.K. Scott. Got to show love. I mean, Mastey was probably better, but J.K. is my guy. Give it to Houston. Houston has a decent enough drive, but at the end of the day, it's a lot of effort to go nowhere. They convert a couple first downs, but ultimately, after Tim Masday just boots a beautiful uh, punt, they get pinned at the 3. They go from the 3 to the 17. So not only is this great effort by the offense, and great effort by the defense. you got guys like Tim Mastey kicking balls inside the three-yard line. So even after they end up putting together a relatively decent drive, I mean, I shouldn't even call it a decent drive. It was an eight-play drive, which is seemingly pretty decent. They end up punting from the 17-yard line. But Packers get great field position starting at the 44-yard line. Very first pass is 24 yards to Randall Cobb. Hits James Jones for another nine. Alex Green gets his automatic three. Converts a first down. Two plays later, hits Crabtree for 14. And then from the six-yard line, hits James Jones for a six-yard touchdown. The score is 14-nothing. Texans, again, nothing to do. They get the ball at the 31-yard. I mean, decent field position. Actually, that's not true. They they t- So here, here's a guy. Andre Johnson was playing. You want to know why they were a good team? You still got Andre Johnson. At the time, I mean, he was... I don't know if he was as good as, as DeAndre Hopkins, but he had a lot of respect. I mean, he was one of the better football players in the game. He was kind of like a... Uh, What's his name? Larry Fitzgerald type, right? Been in the league for a long time, great football player. Anyways, from the 31-yard line, Arian Foster, who's a very good running back, had nowhere to go, tackled by A.J. Hawk and Charles Woodson. However, penalty on Clay Matthews, they get a first and five. Only goes one yard thanks to A.J. Hawk. Run again, get one more yard thanks to A.J. Hawk. Only a handful of plays later, 16-yard pass and a 15-yard pass, bring them pretty deep into uh, Packers' territory. Ultimately, they get a one-yard run for Arian Foster. The score is fourteen-seven. So even at this point, it's a pretty close game. Next drive, the Packers got the ball at the twenty-two. For the sp- sake of speeding it up, pretty slow, methodical drive. They end up getting to the Packers' thirty-three. Alex Green's having a pretty good drive, getting eight-yard chunks. Did that twice on this drive. Hits a ten-yard pass to Jordy Nelson. Throws a deep bomb to James Jones. Gets a defensive penalty on Kareem Jackson, putting them at the Packers or the excuse me, the Texans' twenty-one-yard line. So what does he do? He throws a 21-yard pass again to Mr. Jordy Nelson for a touchdown. Score is 21-7. Texans get the ball, pretty good drive, end up getting a 51-yard field goal, making it 21-10. Packers aren't able to do anything um, in halftime, neither are the Texans. So end of the half, 21-10. One of the one of the other things that was awesome about this team, not only can they do 41-yard bombs and 21-yard bombs to score quickly. This is a team that had so many weapons, they could easily carry on a drive. Coming out of the half. You've got 1, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, a 13-play drive just to get to the Texans' 20-yard line and kick a field goal. On that drive, you saw runs from Alex Green, passes to Randall Cobb, passes to Jordy Nelson, runs by Aaron Rodgers, and passes to Jermichael Finley. I mean, th- th- there's guys everywhere, and that didn't even highlight half the team that it was capable of, of making plays. So they get to the 20-yard line, and Mason Crosby kicks a field goal, and it's good. Well, I thought you said there were no, no field goals. Right, because Connor Barwin got a penalty, so the Packers get to keep going. So on top of this really long drive, guess what? They keep going. Aaron Rodgers continues to dink and dunk with using Randall Cobb. Alex Green gets one more yard, and then finally hits Jordy Nelson one more time for a one-yard touchdown. Texans get the ball. They start rolling. They get already a couple first downs, and then finally Matt Schaub gets sacked by Mr. A.J. Hawk for 12 yards. They're not able to recover from that. That was a second down, putting them in third and 20. Incomplete pass. they got to punt the ball. Packers go three and out. Texans get the ball. They're able to get a pretty good drive together. Arian Foster gets a 1-yard touchdown. Score is now 28-17. So the Texans kick off. There's a glimmer of hope, right? We can possibly put this thing away where at the end of the 3rd, if we put together a Herculean effort, we can maybe maybe put this thing away. But the Packers are the Packers, and they can kill you in a million different ways. And they kick off the ball and it's a 68-yard kick and Randall Cobb returns this for 46 yards. And so the, the 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 very first drive Alex Green runs for nine yards. Packers are now at the Texans' 48. Aaron Rodgers throws an incomplete pass, and on his second pass, he hits a 48-yard touchdown pass to Tom Crabtree. This is a football team, and part of the reason I'm doing this is, is to inspire that excitement of what could be and also continue my push and my lobbying for bringing back the offense. This is a team that just crushed your hope and crushed your dreams. Anytime you thought maybe, just maybe we could do something, you get 48-yard passes to Tom Crabtree. You get 46-yard returns from Randall Cobb. And now when your hope is already pretty much dashed, you're starting at your own 20-yard line. You throw an incomplete pass because you're Matt Shaw. And on your second play, you throw another pass, and Sam Shields picks you off. And now already down 35-17, to 17, the Green Bay Packers, with Aaron Rodgers on the field, are on your own 27-yard line. I mean, they're just, you look at the score and you think it, it It seemed like, especially at times, and even at the end, it wasn't as big of a blowout as other games have been. This was a blowout since, since the word go. Alex Green gets five, Alex Green gets five first down. Alex Green loses a yard at second and 11, so Aaron Rodgers says, all right, enough of this messing around. We should just burn out the clock, but this is embarrassing. Throws an 18-yard pass to James Jones. The first time the guy throws a football pass, he throws an 18-yard touchdown to James Jones. Because this, I mean, <laughs> Yards ain't nothing but a number, man. Doesn't matter if it's one yard to Jordy, 41 yards to Crabtree, 18 yards to James Jones. I don't care what the distance is. If I decide we're getting a touchdown, then it's time to get a touchdown. End of story. Then to add insult to injury once again, the Houston Texans say, all right, we're going to mount a drive now. We're going to put this thing away. And they do. Let's see. We got a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-13 12 13 play drive getting all the way to the Packers 20 man they're coming they're about to put this thing away however pass intercepted by Casey Hayward and returned 17 yards so the Packers again get the football unfortunately they were pretty unsuccessful and Tim Maste goes to punt it gets blocked and they get a touchdown so the Texans did get their touchdown but it wasn't really it's was kind of a fluky thing anyways this thing just kind of gets burned out from the, that's how you get to 42 to 24 they tried to kick an onside kick to salvage it. Tremont Williams said, no thank you, picks up that ball. Starks and Kuhn and Alex Green try to burn out some time. Texans come back out, trying to mount it together, and guess what? Throws another pick to Casey Hayward. <laughs> <laughs> and again, the Packers, the Packers could have scored probably two more touchdowns if they really wanted to because they had opportunity. But they just gave the ball to James Starks and said, go ahead and burn it out, and he just you know he couldn't do it. And so they gave the ball back to the Texans, and then they couldn't do anything either. At the end of the day, final scorecard. Aaron Rodgers was uh, was 24 of 37 for 338 yards, 6 touchdowns, no interception. He had a passer rating of 133.8. Alex Green, 22 carries, which is a lot, for 65 yards, which is pretty standard for what the Packers were doing back in the day. Longest carry was 10 yards, again, pretty standard. That's actually a really big play for, uh, you know, back in the day. Receiving. Alex Green had one reception for 8 yards. Tom Crabtree, 3 receptions, excuse me, 2 receptions, 62 yards and a touchdown. Jermichael Finley had two receptions for 12 yards. James Jones had three for 33 and two touchdowns. Randall Cobb had seven receptions for 102 yards. Jordy Nelson, nine receptions, 121 yards, and three touchdowns. Defensively, you had sacks from A.J. Hawk, Jarrell Worthy, and C.J. Wilson, as well as two interceptions for Casey Hayward in 37 yards, and another interception from Sam Shields, Jarrell Worthy, A.J. Hawk, C.J. Wilson, Clay Matthews, Brad Jones and Mike Neal all also had tackles for a loss in this game. And on top of that, Randall Cobb had three returns for 86 yards, an average of 28.7 per return, his longest being the 46-yard return. So if you're in the mood for just a, a good, smooth, you know, again, 42-24, t- to 24, you can find bigger beatings than that from the Green Bay Packers. And we'll highlight a couple of those as uh, as we continue on with this series for as long as we can. There's a lot of good games out there. Probably even start looking back at... at deep history over time but just that consistent gas pedal that that feeling of there's just no there's no sputtering but right? the offense just goes and it runs like a, 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 a just a well-oiled machine and it doesn't matter what you do you you apply pressure here we'll go over there you go there we go here doesn't matter what you do we're going to do something else you zig we zag and there's just nothing you can do to stop it it's similar to what you see from the te- from the um teams like the chiefs or the saints or you know maybe not exactly baltimore but te- kind of like that there's just there's, there's too many options, and it's too hard to stop even the first option, much less the second, third, and fourth option. So if you miss those days, it's a good game to go check out. 2012, week uh, six against the Houston Texans, I believe. And again, the backstory is also pretty incredible. The Packers were coming off a real hot season with a really down um, ending, and then started the year off slow, which of course has got to get people wondering. Right, the the end of the year, you lost to the Giants, who did go on to win the Super Bowl, so that you kind of feel a little better. And then you start off like this. It's like, man, are, are, are they done? Is this it? And then just an absolute Herculean effort that just sends a statement. And the season didn't end as well as we'd like, but um, this this was the spark, man. And it was arguably, again, the greatest spark that uh, has happened in the PFF era, which goes back to, I think, like 2007-ish, 2008, somewhere in there. So basically, in in, in Aaron Rodgers' tenure, this was the greatest game that the Packers had via PFF. Anyways, I gotta get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow or Sunday or sometime in the near future. Have a good one. Bye-bye.